What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. Where we continue to follow the capture and killing of Osama bin Laden now. Those are just some of the scenes overnight as thousands of Americans gathered in celebration of Osama bin Laden's death. Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill says he has thought about the mission every day since that May Day in 20. From multiple conversations you had with Rob O'Neill over the past year and a half, how'd you get And you described that his head kind of exploded yes. when you hit I, him. I actually hit him three times because I shot him twice when he was standing and once on the ground. That is the fucking American badass. We are not going for fame and we are not going for bravado. We are going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at elementary school on a Tuesday morning, and then 45 minutes later, she jumped to her death out of a skyscraper. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. I'm Rob O'Neill, and this is the Operator Podcast. Okay, welcome back to the Operator Podcast once again. Um, this officially, I guess, is episode 36, but we are still with Drago. Uh, just an incredible life story. I, I mean, it's it's crazy. I can't believe when Drago tells a story, it's like um, it's like it, here it's it's almost like it could have happened. I'm in awe of it, the stuff that he went through, and um, we're going to continue that journey. Yes, he was a Navy SEAL, uh, combat decorated combat veteran, but there was so much on the way there. So many lessons learned, and so much um, just. Uh, Adventure is not quite the word, but what else are you going to call it? We're going to get back into that. Can um can we back up just a little bit and tell us about your horrific prison experience? Oh yeah, <laughs> no, that's, I mean I'm I'm serious. I've known you a long time, and I'm reading this book, and I'm like, being a Navy SEAL is like the least interesting <laughs> thing he's done. <laughs> uh, this uh, being this Navy SEAL, but being an American is yeah. something I'm extremely proud of. Uh, yeah, so when I when they I was mentioned earlier, we were printing these newspapers when the socialism and communist imposed martial law in 19, uh, in 1981, in December 1981. But uh, remember, they were losing control after a visit of John Paul II, the yeah. Pope in Poland. The Poles start organizing themselves. They build a solidarity, the trade union uh, organization that was totally independent from Communist Party in Poland. And so socialists and communists felt like they are losing control over the society. So next thing, they start preparing martial law. They start building the list of political activists, priests, and uh, other people to uh, to arrest them. And there was thousands of people. And they imposed martial law in 19, December 13, 1981. They the estimates go from uh, twenty-five to 60,000 people arrested in one night. They were going by the list. It, it started midnight at the same time in the entire Poland. The secret service, the secret police, with police and military, start raiding uh, 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 Polish homes. That's like night of broken glass shit right there. That's crystal oh, that was worse than that because there was a, that, that happened in the entire country. And there were people not just 
getting uh, 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 broken glass in their businesses. They were being arrested and whole uh, their their ass were hauled to jail. Oh yeah, no, I was I was talking about the shit the Nazis pulled. They all just roll in. Oh yeah, people in their homes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They uh, so they arrest so many people. There's no one, I think, in Poland not affected by arrests, by po- political arrests. But that was the, the, the thing that communists always say uh, and socialists, that there are no political prisoners in socialist states. Socialist state doesn't have political prisoners. Everybody is sitting for a crime they committed. The crime was either printing newspaper or speaking up uh, against the socialism or speaking up the truth. But it was crime. So you were sitting out, you were criminal. But in this year, when they arrested around so many thousands of people in one night, their explanation was that they are not arrested. They were not, they, 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 many of them were just, some of them were arrested, but most of the thousands, thousands of people, they were just interned. They were sitting in internment camps. Uh, they, they, they were just, they didn't call it camps even, they were called centers. Uh-huh. They were like, vacation centers and they had they, they they took one of the vacation centers on the uh, at the baltic and they turned to prison they they dumped people up there but the mantra was that the the, the fake news media were explaining to everybody that they are just sitting in the resorts and just enjoying their time and they are like they are sitting there because they they didn't commit any crime so they are not criminals but they could be potentially dangerous to the state and there was the key word here, potentially dangerous. That was potentially. Not because they had so much control over the society that they could do pretty much whatever they want to do. So this is, uh, they interned thousands of people, then we started revolting and me and some from Solidarity, we build a, we start building the organizations, underground organizations to, to resist uh, that socialist atrocities. And, uh, but we're not smart about that. I was not smart about that. I was never exposed to this type of activities. So I said, we're not just going to start quietly print newspapers and disseminate to people. So we printed maybe two, three, four hundred, five hundred of them. And we're living in different points of the cities. You know, pretty naive, right? Because there was so much, so many agents, so much infiltration yeah. in, the, in the society by, by the socialist agents that they, they got a beat on us very quickly. And then we end up, uh, so I was arrested uh, on uh, 1982, right at the beginning of 1982, and hauled my ass to jail. And uh, again, I, by the, this time, you know, I was doing kickboxing, I was doing uh, taekwondo, I was pretty good. I, uh, you know, we, we, we need to come back to this uh, learning the, the, the fight before I was arrested, how I was, how I was fighting. But so I got, I got to prison, they arrested me. And uh, this is where I had to start learning very new things uh, in my life. I had to survive in prison. And, yeah, uh, I mean, what's like you mentioned the first the first place you went? It was so dark you had to feel your way, and it's like full of other prisoners. Yeah, and- the, yeah, it was at night, and it was in the Secret Service, uh, Secret Police headquarters. So they throw me into that cell, and actually, it was it was the middle of the night. It was like uh, maybe one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. So I come in up there, I didn't even see anything. I just like tried to send some voice from the voice from uh, uh from the somewhere in the darkness. Find the wall, find space, sit down and sleep. Okay, so I did that. And uh, so I woke up in the morning, like everybody, they turned the lights on. And there was like a cell, maybe like I don't know how to describe, but I, I don't know how it's 
the feet. But it was enough so that there was a pedestal, like a pedestal you could actually dance on it. And, and so that was a bad. But there were so many of us, only a few, few of those ringleaders were sleeping there. The rest, the rest of the guys were sleeping on the floor around this pedestal. And this is where I had the first run-in with one of the criminals there. How'd um, that go? Well, uh, not good for him. That was uh, <laughs> uh, he does. We're always hungry. This is normal tactic. This is how they operated. When they arrest you for anything, you gotta be always cold and always hungry. This is the the method they can bring you down easier because eventually, it's not you're not starving to death, but you are hungry enough that it's nagging you. You are like I was used to it, but this, so it didn't bother me too much. But uh, they always do that. So they uh, so the first thing when. Uh, I woke up, this big guy comes up and say, I'm going to eat your breakfast today. You know, you are a new guy here. I was like, hell yeah. no, I just knock him out. And then I was thinking like, you know, if if if, if I let it go, it is going to, I always will be hungry. The motherfucker will be eating always my, my breakfast and lunches. Yeah. So I just carefully, you know, he was laying there sleeping nicely after the shot. So I like lift his, I lift his upper lip up carefully and just knock his uh, two front teeth up in and just pull them out. And uh, <laughs> so when he came to, 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 to his senses, he didn't have a teeth. He was bleeding from his mouth. Oh I, 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 I was very careful. I lift his lip so that I didn't go and uh, break his lip. And so I just knock his teeth out with the, with, with the knuckle. Mm -hmm. So what did you do so, with the teeth? Uh, I, I, I hold them. I thought I'll just make a necklace out of it, but that just <laughs> so I tried to hold on to it, and I was holding up for a pretty good time. I was even they, those teeth survived in my pocket for like until I was moved to another prison, and even there I had them stashed carefully until. But I just of, teeth out and kept them. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was cool. <laughs> so, <sighs> so, uh, so I was thinking like, when I leave the prison one day, I didn't think I didn't have anything on me basically. So I said, well. <laughs> Hopefully they will let me go. Uh, what the naive thinking, the communists. But uh, so I was thinking that holding on to these teeth, hopefully I will live out, so we'll make a cool necklace out of it and yeah. uh, brag about it. But uh, during one of the searches, they they found it and they, they found somebody else's teeth in your pocket. That yeah. was something else you said too. Is uh, I, I'm I'm paraphrasing, but you said the fight's over when you decide it's over, not when they give that's, up. That's what we learned. Because uh, so let's go back a little bit before prison. So when I came back from uh, father, I was already doing boxing, got involved in Jero uh, Nagura. When I came back to my mother, I got involved in karate kyokushin, and uh, I was pretty good at it. And yeah. uh, then when we moved to city lots in the middle of Poland with my family, that's I started a switch uh, karate kyokushin to taekwondo because taekwondo guys. I like that. They were walking on the streets. They were actually picking up the fights. And then they were criticizing each other. So basically, there's like four or five are walking in. So, hey, this guy looks pretty good, pretty tough. So let me go beat him up. And uh, so the rest <laughs> of us were actually watching it and see, yeah, your kick was not strong enough or you missed the kick right here. Basically, we criticized. There was no cameras. That's if we had the cameras, we would just watch the cameras and analyze and We didn't have it. So we had to just critique each other how the fight went. So we became so good that eventually one guy was like, no, the challenge. So we're looking for more people. And we we're just going sometimes like see three, four people drinking beer in the in the stand in Poland. In the stand. You can buy the stand, you can buy the beer and sausage at the time. Sausage if you were lucky. So we uh, we just woke up to one of those three, sometimes four guys. 
grab the ball from his hands, spit into it, and give it back to him. You know what's going to happen there, right? It's gonna... Yeah, that's going to be a fight. Them's fighting so, words. So, so it's just like inching out. We didn't want them to see that there's more of us. So we just wanted to say that they think that there's one so they can jump and beat up the guy. Mm-hmm. And we usually end up pretty bad for them. And this is when uh, when we start training with, uh, with, with you know, try to fight two, three, and two, three guys at the time. And I tell you, we didn't lose a lot of fights. We are seldom ever. You know, sometimes it was like tough guy, two or three of the guys, big wrestlers and st- and things, and they start beating up. So then the rest of us step in and just ha- hand the hell out to them. So we kind of felt very safe, very safe when we were beating them up. But we learned yeah. the one saving technique. I don't know if you... Well, yeah. <clears throat> that, so that, that, the guy... That, that paid off. Yeah, one of the guys... It paid off, yeah, because we really became really good. Uh, because the, the, the way it started is the teacher uh, the, 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 who was teaching us Taekwondo, he always say that the fighting in the ring is one thing, but if you don't fight on the street, you basically don't know how to fight. The, the, the ring is one thing. There was no MMA at the time. So yeah. you have to fight on the street. You can find somebody and practice your techniques, practice the fight in the real life. And this is what this guy did. I love it so much. I switched the styles. I went to fight with them. And uh, that's but I had an incident that uh, one of the guys, this, oh, the, the, the idea also what we learned very quickly in these fights is you don't fight until somebody comes up, uh, gets a little bit beat up, a few shots and say, okay, okay, I'm good. I'm done. I'm done. I'm just, uh, I'll walk away. It's like, no, no. I tell you when you when I when the fight is <laughs> over, not you. Because it, it happened quite often that you say, okay, go home. Next thing, you just turn around. He jumps on you or comes by with friends, and then you have to you have to beat up four or five guys at the same time. <laughs> I'll be kicking time. people's asses all day here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so there was that. So, so we learned that uh, uh, one of the guys passed out, and we were, I was just about to walk away, and he was start shaking. I was like, "What the hell?" The nurse was there, and she just like safety pen, safety pen. Uh, somebody pulled out the safety pen, so she kind of like fish hook his tongue yeah. his out. so he didn't swallow it yeah he should say i was like oh wow so actually she said like what you need to do is uh just yeah. pinch it pinch it and pin it to the lower lip and then you can leave the guy don't ever leave somebody even if you leave him on the side if he's unconscious i used to beat up the guy until he didn't move so pressy i would say unconscious maybe but so we pin the lip uh, pin the lip to his uh, tongue to his lower lip so if he rolls even unconscious his tongue will not fall in and oh, oh uh, that was like a life this is life-saving technique you know this is something we actually used well that's like uh that's combat stuff when you keep them on your boonie hat in case you need to do the like you're talking straight hand-to-hand combat in the streets of poland this is so badass well but it was so natural in poland at the time uh, think about the societies it was very uh the the fights on the streets was so normal that people got got like didn't have to get used to it. The people like we see the fight, they just cross the street, walk around, it's even bother like seldom ever somebody call police events, things like that. They were so common. So we never worry about police coming in. And if they did show up, we just run away. There's, they wouldn't chase us for fighting. You know, if you had a if you had a typewriter or if you yeah had, that's m- much more dangerous than a street you, fight you would be in, in trouble but you know just beating somebody up on the street at the time was not really nothing unusual you can see now that. this that that's fightings before prison right 
That was before prison. So and then, and then prison, just the three. prison thing freaked me out just because you were talking about busted up teeth and broken teeth and, and solitary confinement and just the day-to-day life, man. That's it's not like uh, you're gonna go to your cell and have a uh, peace. Uh yeah. So what what happened is that when that was transported, and this guy who I kept his teeth in my pocket, uh, <laughs> this guy was threatening me, so you got to bake a pretty big present. And he was one of those gang guy part of the gangs, those prison gangs. Yeah. I'm going to pass the word on you. You, 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 you're gonna get killed up there. I was a little bit worried about this. Like I never was in prison. So I said I would okay, we'll see, you know. But if you keep talking like this, I'm going to pull your lower teeth to uh, oh, <laughs> and I was teasing him with his teeth. I said, You see this? You <laughs> These used to belong to you. Now they belong to me, pal. <laughs> Those are my teeth now. <laughs> These are my teeth now. These are just two extra teeth I have. <laughs> They're yours. They were yours. Yeah, well, they, they pulled him out later, and I, I never seen him again. So, yeah. but, uh, so when I went there, they threw me in the cell, and, and the first time, I think, that they were going for the shock value. Uh, the, I, I still didn't admit yeah. to anything. I still didn't want to talk to them. So in the present time, when, I, when we came to this bigger prison, uh, the guy came up and was like, hey, uh, you know, uh, you will do what I say. I said, I'm not going to do what you say. I don't know who you are. I don't give a fuck who you are. So, you know, he just tried to do something. I knocked him out. <laughs> Made it that quick. Yeah, that, that, yeah that, that was quick. That was easy. But remember, most of these Turks, they never learn how to fight. They are just big. They 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 they, they talk a lot of shit. They, they loud. But, you know, he just nailed the guy pretty good. He's just like, into the little angel um but so what happened with me is like i didn't know any rules and i was tired and then i had an incident with this new guy in the cell the big guy so i said i'm going to lay down on the on the bed because i see everybody's sitting you know like they they don't even lean on the wall they don't lean on the bed they just sit there there were so many people that you couldn't at the table could see only four people right so there are four people sitting on the table. They can lean on the table, but they cannot lean back. And there's no chairs, there's stools. So like all the walls, nobody's leaning on anything, except those four big guys leaning on the on the stool and sitting. They talk just like normal cell life. So I didn't think much of it. I said, it was empty bed. I just, I take a bed. That's my bed. It's like not any longer. I said, but they tell me later that, dude, you need to get out of it because the, the guards will, the prison guards will come in. They will fuck you up. That the rules is you don't lay in the bed during the daytime. You can't. You don't lean even on anything. I was like, dude, I'm so tired. Well, just let's take a let's, let's see. And sure it is, you know, just I didn't even lay down for like ten minutes. That the the, the 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 crew came in, dragged me out, and beat me up. They didn't even say a word. They just beat me up and just throw me back in. This guy's like, and I remember before that happened, I could I could see that it's like smirking and having like smiles on their face. What's going to happen? You know, they're gonna fuck me up. The, the, the guards. So they came and they did fuck me up, they throw me back. So I was like thinking, like, I was not really resisting, I was just thinking, like, well, you know, that's they beat me up. So okay, so now I'm beat up, I cannot sit and stay. I go right back to bed and lay down to bed. Well, and they came back. They came back. So they beat me up again. And and uh, uh Beat me up, beat me up. They throw me back in the. the what are they, they, they punching and kicking? Are they hitting with clubs or what are they doing? At the first, they were punching me and kicking. They punching me in the back, the, in the kidneys, in the stomach. They tried to not to punch me in the face, but they punch me in the face too. Uh, they bust my lips. You know, I was I was beat up. Uh, so they throw me back in. And I say like, now they really beat me up. Now I'm all fucked up. So they're not gonna do anything to me. So they, I'm going to go and lay down because 
They know I cannot sit, I cannot stay and be there. <laughs> and this guy's like, dude, you shouldn't be doing this. Do they ever get tired of it or just keep coming back? After, I think, three times. Three times a charm. So they did it again. <laughs> and then <laughs> they left me. So the guy I beat up, he already lost his position in the cell as being the toughest guy, right? Because he, yeah. he beat up. So he said, I'm going to do the same. Uh, I said, I'm, I'm tough. I'm, he just wanted to regain a little bit, maybe the clout. He yeah. Had. yeah. So he lays in the bed. So I'm just thinking like, no, now they're going to beat us both again. But I just don't give a shit. I'm just like black and blue. I can't even tell if they beat me up or not. And the, the last time they beat me with this rubber sticks with like a steel road inside. Yes, in, yeah. in, in, so that was piecing blood for a while, but that was okay. So they uh, they come in, you know, they run in this, uh, this whole gear, you know, it's like, it's like, fuck. And they left me alone. They grabbed the guy. They pulled him out. And you can hear this... The, this pounding outside the cell and the scream like they're gonna come for me next and, and i'm just getting myself ready to get beat up but this time first was just ignorance i just didn't know any better this time i say fuck them i'm going to just lie here and uh, they beat me up they throw me again i'll be back in it well they throw him in the cell but they left me alone so from then on i was laying the cell all, day, all days long but no this, kidding. They, they, they just stopped beating you because this guy could take a beating. We're just going to let him lay down. They just let me along. Yeah, but this guy, they, when they throw him in the cell, he was still screaming the tears all over his face. He just looked around. I will sit. Yeah. <laughs> and what was that? So there's, you, you can't, like, only you can lay on the floor on the bed. The rules were you, you have to sit. And uh, uh, the people who didn't have a place, because there was four beds, like two bunks, Mm -hmm. uh, bunk, two bunk beds and uh, like 10 of us so people who the, the table was four places four right. chairs four stools another chair stools so those who were sitting on the stool they could okay but so to keep rotating through it but other people were just leaning on their hands you know on the floor but couldn't touch the wall the rules was the wall is painted so if you lean you leave greasy spots and greasy spots on it so they they were just had to sit and they were they were just rotating every few hours and I I didn't rotate I just slept I lay in the bed until they they moved me to a political prison after the investigation was gone I was sentenced to three years in prison uh, but yeah that was fun you know that was, at that time there was just a learning experience how to deal with criminals but also another thing I need to uh, 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 add that later on the most of these uh, criminals. Uh, they were not so bad. I think they put me in the worst cell just for purpose, just to break me down because there was still investigation going on, or the, at least they were just trying to still uh, get my admission to, to the crime. Right. Uh, and now what, if you, uh, what if you admit to it? Um, are you admitting you're a criminal or are you admitting you're a, a political prisoner? Or what? There was uh, no you, political thing. That, they, if you admit, they wouldn't let anyone think there was a political prisoner. No, no, they couldn't no, no. You admit were sitting that. for the crime of speaking up. You were sitting for the crime of trespassing, let's say, in the government property. You were sitting for the crime of uh, everything was criminalized. Anything that could threaten socialism was criminalized. And you were sitting, you were basically criminal because according to the code, you could not print, uh, print uh, 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 your own newspapers. Right. That was so you sit in prison, but you sit in prison not because you're a political prisoner. You broke the law. You broke the law, so you you are you are just prisoner, common criminal. And That's this what, uh, one thing Stalin said was, "Show me the man, I'll show you the crime." Crime, yes, it's crazy. And we see it again too. I mean, I'm not. I don't mean to jump around, but we hear some 
people in political office here that are talking about putting certain people in in uh, internment camps. They don't say camp, but they're like they're legitimately talking about it. We need to re-educate some of these people. It's 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 insanity. That's uh, you know I I didn't hear any of it, and I hope I never you know, hear it. It sounds like from Adolf Hitler's playbook, and I th- I don't think anybody in America, any free man, would say something like this. I don't. I don't never heard of it. I, I think I would be very disturbed if I heard something, especially oh. coming from a politicians who are leading our nation. Yeah, it is. It's it's scary. And and I mean, I, I even saw with you on social media um, when you first got out of the military, you're getting censored all the time just for speaking up against socialism. And that's that's not part of the agenda for a lot of these people in the press, a lot of people in, in political office. And they just um, silence you. And that sounds very, very familiar. Yeah, still in the LinkedIn actually did cancel my account. And uh, but also the you're right, when I left military, I thought that this is I have I, I I would like to be part of these these people. I would like to post on the social media, I would like to be, you know, yeah. that American on social media and stuff. But every time I wrote something about socialism, what I experienced, they shut me down. The Facebook yeah. just canceled me and and then yeah. the funny thing is that I could post about uh, uh, I couldn't post anything, but people could post like nasty comments, and I couldn't respond even to it because my account was locked up. Except yeah. for other people posting the nasty thing about about me being uh, uh, not going getting along with socialism. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And well, they and they, again, there's a lot of people are just spinning the language, saying it's never been done right now. They're calling it democratic socialism, and you gotta, and it, it's just a, a power grab. So for one reason or another, we usually end up talking about guns at some point here. And um, whether it's one type or the other, have you checked out F1 Firearms? I've mentioned them before. We've had them, these customized guns at our, some charity events before. They've made them with chainsaws and flamethrowers on them, which can be excessive but really cool. Um, their new uh, HDR10 308 models out, and you just check out their pistols. F1 Firearms has a uh, 5.5-inch pistols, 85 um, they're with the same finishes, but there's more to come. Very light rail systems, custom thumb and finger rest to keep your index finger in line with the apex of the trigger. And uh, F1 Firearms, is j- just like me, actually, people pleasers. They're customized, um, sick, anodized colors. The colors are great. They're worth checking out. The grips are light with paracord, uh, skeletonized technology. The 5.56 Durabolt bolt carrier groups are really cool. Law enforcement and, and military models, the AR-10, AR-15, 9mm. Every receiver set is fit out of the box. The rails are contoured to the upper, so there's absolutely no wiggle. And the angle of the safety can be custom the way you like it. They can be as pretty and cool as you want. Uh, out of the box, ready to show off. They are out to succeed, and they are ready to win right out of the box. Check out F1 Firearms. On the heels of the second largest bank failure in U.S. history and the eighth interest rate hike within a 12-month period, 186 more banks are at risk of collapsing. Your bank could be next unless the Fed does what they just did back in March and print $300 billion out of thin air, making your dollar worthless. Not to mention the recession risk that could have a significant impact on your investment and retirement accounts. Take my advice. Protect your financial future with something real, gold and silver, from my friends at Allegiance Gold. Allegiance Gold can help you protect your IRA or 401k with physical gold and silver, or if you prefer, have it delivered securely right to your front door. Since the beginning of time, there has been only one universal currency that is always of value, and that is gold. Allegiance Gold has some of the highest ratings in the industry, five stars with TrustLink, a AAA rating, with the Business Consumer Alliance and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. 
You can invest with confidence because of the quality and service of Allegiance Gold. Get up to $5,000 in free silver on a qualifying purchase when you visit protectwiththeoperator.com today or give them a call at 844-790-9191. Don't let the Fed play Monopoly with your money. Protect your future with Allegiance Gold. Visit protectwiththeoperator.com or give them a call at 844-790-9191. I always talk about preparation every single episode, and friends, anyone who thinks they won't need emergency food isn't paying attention. Every day, the headlines get worse and worse. Is the unthinkable next? It pays to prepare. That's why I seriously recommend you stock up on emergency food right away. You never know when the next shoe will drop. And when it does, emergency food will be hard to find. So get yours now. While it's on sale, go to MyPatriotSupply.com and check out their popular three-month emergency food kit. Right now, you'll save $200 per kit. Each kit gives you a wide variety of delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, snacks, providing over 2,000 calories a day for optimum strength and energy. Act now and claim your $200 savings per kit. You will sleep better at night knowing your family won't suffer if the worst ever happens. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and you'll enjoy free shipping too. MyPatriotSupply.com. Halfway through April, rolling through the new year, so that means new gear, baby. Dirty diapers, screaming fits, and sleepless nights. Parenthood is not for the faint of heart. I know that from experience. Tactical Baby Gear was founded by parents for parents with kit that you'll be proud to carry. You'll overcome every spit-up, blowout, and meltdown along the way. Prepare for whatever parenting leads you with everything cool, like a fully customizable tactical diaper bag. That's ready, but be ready because it could get messy. It's highly practical, highly functional, extremely high quality, always ready. Diaper bags, baby carriers, strollers, wagons, everything in between. Lifetime warranty. Use code THEOPERATOR and save 15% at tacticalbabygear.com. Veer Cruisers functions as wagons and strollers, rugged aluminum frames, all-terrain, three-point safety harness, molly webbing, which you'll find on most of the stuff. Children's snack tray and adult cup holders, if you know what I'm saying. Tactical Baby Carrier 2.0. Baby can face in or out depending on the developmental stage and the weather, obviously. Interiors cotton padded, machine washable liner, Molly compatible again. Acknowledged by the International Hip Dysplasia Institute as hip healthy. Wear your baby like a reserve parachute on a static line. Jump, baby. So again, to save 50%, use code THEOPERATOR at tacticalbabygear.com. Plenty of other savings, too. Lots of cool stuff. God, guns, and diapers, baby. And I mean, I mean, even like uh, when you were talking about sharing the bread, only get one loaf, like you saw what happened here with the toilet paper. That just sharing shit didn't last very long. It's like every man for himself. It's like, what are they going to do when the uh, when you need to you hunt know, people need for food? Whether this is, yeah, whether, whether it is Bernie Sanders socialism Bernie Sanders socialism, whether whether this Adolf Hitler's socialism, national socialism, whether it is uh, uh, Leonid Brezhnev socialism, Stalin socialism, even Polish apparatchik socialism, they all have very few. Uh, they all they all have few things in common. One of them is censorship, uh, fraudulent yeah. elections, uh, 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 attacks on family. And uh, uh, political persecution uh, po of pol persecution of political opponents. 
So this is the, the hallmarks of socialism and people need to realize it. That this is not just like, hey, you know, everybody, everybody will get something from somebody and we government will gonna decide how much gets what from whom. That's a very dangerous concept. And people yeah, it's very dangerous. And, and uh, we've been very lucky as a nation to have the Atlantic and the Pacific Oceans on our borders. But they 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 would say, they said they're going to infiltrate it. And you can you can see it. the the uh, the cancellation on social media is a modern day book burning. The changing the the words around in history books. What's like if if you don't learn from history, you're going to repeat it. And just by silencing it doesn't mean it didn't happen. Yeah, or changing the meaning of the words too as well. But even more disturbing is that like you say that the, the not publishing the books or hiding the books and censoring that even information that books such books exist is is very disturbing and toppling monuments that are not uh, uh, compatible with the socialist ideology or, or the line taken by the lead politicians that's what happened in poland the poland the entire history history was so perverted the whole monuments went toppled toppled and removed and in their place put put the new pro-socialist like uh, uh, monuments that they, they destroyed so much history in Poland that I didn't know uh, until the socialism fell how perverted the history has become under a socialist state. It is not only in Poland; it's the entire Warsaw Pact country had the same had to uh, had to deal with the same socialist atrocities. Where, where were you when uh, when communism fell? Were you in the states yet? I'm sorry, I, I don't I don't have my dates correct because you were, you were in prison in the early '80s, correct? Yes. And then what happened after prison? How did you get here? Because I I I I should know. All right, so this is a very quick answer to uh, to the first question. When I was when the socialist collapsed, I was in training to be a Navy SEAL. Okay. Uh, and, uh, as a U.S. citizen, I, I was I was American, and then um, then but. Uh, the way it happened is when I left prison, they, uh, I tried to resume normal life. So I tried to find a job. I tried to go to, uh, uh, I'll go back to train taekwondo, kickboxing. But too often, coming back sometimes in the evening after the training, after working out uh, with friends uh, from my club, the police, the secret police, van or car pull along the side on the sidewalk and just the those goons the socialist goons and uh, uh, the weaponized uh, uh, police uh, jump out of the van they drag handcuff me drag me back into it and uh, and they drove me away uh, with friends you know they were scared a little bit they were afraid but they knew who I was what happened to me in the past so they assumed that those are, they knew those tactics were fairly normal in pol in socialist states. So they just like, well, here we go. And uh, what happened is they drove me around the town, outside the town, sometimes through some woods, then go back. For me at the time, it was a pretty scary experience. And uh, well, you don't know what was, they're going to do. Yeah, or ask them, what's going to do? What's, what's happening? Where are we going? So the answer I got every single time I asked that, say, so when we get there, it won't really matter to you anymore. That it's is just, such a scary answer. I can't imagine. Is, where where go are we going? Woods. When we get there, it won't matter to you anymore. It's like, God. Yeah. So they, they didn't threaten me. They're going to kill me because maybe <clears> that would be illegal or something. But, you know, they say, well, it won't matter to you when we get there. And they here we go, turning into the woods of the road outside the outskirts of town. Like, what the hell is going to happen? And at that time, uh, 
I learned that because they pulled that thing on me twice in prison when I was in prison under, uh-huh. under interrogations. So that, then I knew, but, but I started worrying that after that, if I still uh, do not change my mind, then they're going to eventually, I never come back from there. One yeah. So that I went you, to use a bus. You know, one thing that you wrote about too, that really is scary. If you think about it, when you were trying to uh, smuggle jeans and fur <laughs> hats into Romania and Russia, you well, said something along the lines of being in Russia and watching the crowd, the 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 streets full of people all walking one direction on both sides of the street to work. No one's looking at each other. No one's talking. There are no cars. I mean, that right there should scare you enough to think we're all just walking to go work for the state. And then we're going to walk home and no one's talking. That's just that's so scary. The government overreach that that is potential that that no one. I mean, I've never seen it. Uh, um, You know, I, when I first went to Europe, it was after. You know, it was 1998. Um, I can't imagine what that's like to see that, to see what these people are living under and to think that a lot of this population here in the United States wants that. Well, you have to remember that these people were living under socialist terror. Don't think for a second that uh, they don't want to leave. They were good Russians. Oh, they yeah, yeah. just wanted to, 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 to have the best in their lives for the children. But there was nothing there. There was no food. They had no uh, no freedom. And there was nothing to talk about. Most of them, they were tired for long hours working this in, in, in the, on the jobs, coming home, trying to feed the children, get up early in the morning. It's still dark at night. And this, I remember, so there was few lamps along this, that the, those streets where we were walking. Where, uh, but we can come back later how I end up there. But So we tried to uh, mingle with these crowds so that it wouldn't be picked up by the police as a smugglers. And uh, so we left. What, what, like, were you, but, uh, what were you doing? You were smuggling jeans from Poland into Russia? Oh, what yeah. So, so we decided to be rich. You know, everybody wants to go and say, <laughs> I'm going to strike the strike rich. In Poland, the way to get rich was only two ways. One, to go suck dig of communist, communist system, so, uh, so the, the socialist system, and go and snitch on other people, do all kinds of bad things, and be, or become one of them. Or you just cheat the system and people become so good at cheating the system that we just see like people coming back from these trips to Russia, to, to other countries and buying themselves nice clothes, lots of food, you know, and, and warm clothes, all kinds of cool stuff. So we said, we're going to do the same thing. We didn't know how to do it, but we found the girl. Well, we didn't know she was a prostitute at the time, but for us, it was like very rich girl because she was she having a lot of cool stuff, cool clothes and stuff and things. So, we kind of like picked her brain how to do it. And she told us, yeah, this is what you do. You go to Russia with jeans, get as many as many you can, sell the jeans, buy the fur hats, you know, like the Russians, mm-hmm. famous Russian fur hats, go to Romania, sell in Romania. In Romania, uh, you go buy, buy the cigarettes, go to Bulgaria, sell the Bulgaria, come back with the money, buy the leather coats, leather coats. And then with the leather coats, you smuggle them back to Russia. You have to jump from the train because once you enter the Russia, you have to, you you uh you cannot you have to come back pretty much on the same day. So all this trip, all the things you have to do within like twenty four hours, and then we didn't. We just it happened a lot of things up there because we didn't anticipate. But anyway, so we come back with full coat, you, the leather coat. You sell the leather coat for like lots of money. You change that ruble, the Russian money, for dollar. Then you 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 roll the dollar into plastic. You use the cigarettes or cigarette lighter to like melt the ends of it as big like my like my thumb and then you have to swallow like 
20 of these pills, whatever, oh. just <laughs> get them to the border. <laughs> so uh, when we were swallowing it, it was just one guy was always behind one of us, ready to go and start suffocating or choking, because people choke to death on those things. Oh. They're aware of it. But it's kind of we were able to swallow them. But anyway, so we just go, uh, we put, you cannot just go bring a bunch of jeans to Russia. So we had to wear them. I was wearing like six, seven, I don't know, eight, whatever. So many, so many of this on myself that I couldn't get on the train. Actually, I had to be lifted up because my I couldn't bend my legs in my knee. You so wear so many to, pairs of jeans. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so they had to push me in it. Uh, and we went to Russian border. A couple of our guys, our lead guy, uh, crazy guy, we call him Crazy Horse because uh, he had a Barked big teeth and, sm- and, and crazy <laughs> head because he was working with the samurai swords and sometimes he, he actually attacked people with that sword and kind of injured them. But anyway, he was good in taekwondo, so he uh, he was kind of crazy in the head. So he was crazy horse. Uh, smile. It's like good name. Horse. It's a great nickname. Yeah, just fitting him. It was a good guy. So so he got caught. They caught nunchaku on him. So they beat him up with nunchaku, but they left him nunchaku. He gave them. Uh, I think pair of jeans or something. Uh, those border guards, they get happier. So we, we, we moved through the border. We sold the jeans. We bought the hats. We went to the uh, went to Romania. And uh, in Romania, on the way to Romania, actually, we lost a little bit more merchandise. We had to kind of ha- hustle with the border guards too again. And we like I sold all my uh, stuff very quickly. Those those hats were going like water. Everybody in Romania loved those hats, those yeah. hats. And then, but we are told, don't make a spectacle. Try to be discreet when you sell it. So that Johnny, the crazy horse, the crazy head, is telling us how to do it. We say, okay, so we did it. But now we cannot find Johnny. Where is Johnny? And then we see crowd of people. Like right? so, we, we thinking, good God, I think he. The car run over him or something. There's accident. In co- in socialist states, those quite common. The cars where people are not used to cars, those accidents were quite common. So we tried to get as quick as possible to see if he's not injured or something. He was not injured, but there was a crash caused by his selling those, like holding in the in his hand this big four hundred, yeah, five hundred, uh, you know, whatever the value was there. And he was trying to sell one of those injured drivers even that had. And so we're like, Johnny, it's supposed to be discreet, man. We sold our roads. Let's get out of here. By the time I finished saying this, it was like two police civilians uh, <laughs> uh, got me, got all other guys. They handcuffed us to get to the police station. So we lost pretty much. We lost a lot. I, I, I had my money stashed, but they didn't get my money yet because they interrogated Johnny. They stole all his money. By, by this time, the police station that was on the in Bucharest on the at the air, at the train station they had a police station, so it was interesting in both ways. It happened that they brought like bags of potatoes, maybe like yeah, I don't know, forty pounds, fifty pounds bags of potatoes, and they just start throwing them on the floor, like stacking them up. And from another side, people were coming in and picking them up. I think it's one bag for family or something. Uh, whatever it was, we just didn't think twice. We just grabbed each of us, grabbed the bag, throw on the shoulder, and just walk out the other door. And then we just we just ditched the potatoes somewhere. Just blend in. And uh, but then we lost enough money that we had to go make another trip to Bulgaria and buy more cigarettes. So I stay with bags. Now, is this so? You you have the uh, the money that you swallowed. You already swallowed it. And you're still no, no, trying no, to no. get I away. Swallow this is on the way back. You swallow okay. the money. Okay. Okay. 
Yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was thinking. I was on the way back, but in Romania, I thought you grabbed the potatoes to get away from the police or yeah, the border guards. They took Johnny. They interrogated him. They took his all his money, so he lost oh, okay. all his money. Okay. And now they got busy with those potatoes, so Johnny came out and uh, was next has to be one of us, and uh-huh. they think twice because they were busy with potatoes. People coming in, bringing potatoes. We just grabbed each of us, grabbed the bag and just walk out with them. <laughs> so that we, we kind of got away with it. That was uh, that was. Uh, uh, that's what uh, what happened. So we need to compensate because we lost a lot of money. I mean, John lost all his money. Um, they also beat him up with the nunchaku. They found his nunchaku again on, on the police station. It's what it is. You are terrorists, and they start beating him up. And uh, but they 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 pulled him out of the interrogation room and was time for one of us. But they brought the potatoes. We got away with get away with potatoes, uh, with a bag of potatoes. So they went. They bought cigarettes. Brought more money. And then we decide to buy the coats. Oh my God! I, oh, I you, I, I've heard the coat story, but tell it again. I love this story. Well, you, I just—I didn't know. None of us knew anything about leather. So for me, leather is leather. You know, it could be even plastic. I couldn't tell the difference from it. So the plastic leather. So everybody, each of us bought the uh, coats we thought are the best for us, and I didn't have much money left after we split our money. So I have very little money left. All I could buy is. Little coat, and there was coat like <laughs> very tight, so like here, but then spread outside. Looks like a tutu, tutu, tutu for the yeah, for the tutu, like, the ballerina, yeah, like ballerina, but long up to your knees. <laughs> so, like so I say, well, hell, you know, that's okay. I mean, this is leather is leather. I mean, there are some ladies in Russia who wants to go, and, and I'm sure want to have, wear nice coat. So, uh, so I got mine, and then we just travel to. Um, Back to uh, Russia, uh, but it was around the Lviv. That was, that was Ukraine. Now, Ukraine was part of Soviet Union at the yeah. time. So we jump out of the train. We just walk through the snow. Those pages. It was so funny because the train slows down, and everybody was like within like twenty four hours. Uh, you have to you have to be back in Poland, right? You can. I mean, in, to Soviet Union. When you left Soviet Union, get the step. You are you are leaving Romania. The same day you have to cross Polish border. So we had to jump off the train, sell it, and just get on the train. So the stamp would be the same day. It didn't happen to us, but uh, but yeah. So we jump off the train. I look around, there's like ants. Everybody jumping. It's all this smoke. Everyone's jumping off the like, train. How fast the train goes? I would say it was like 150, 200 of them. And it was like a caravan, <laughs> just like here in Mexican border, man. It was like just like from Mexico. <laughs> then we were walking up to Lvov with all our merchandise, bags, everything. So I was working with my leather coat, you know, in my bag and stuff. And uh, the, the thing is that there was a horse's leather. It was still like a cardboard. So our guys, they were more, they had more, had more money. They bought better leather. So they sold. I was the only one left with it. And I couldn't and- sell it for nothing. And on the top of it, you could not just walk with this leather in your hand, a leather coat in your hand. You had to actually wear it. Jesus, it took me. I was like so scared I would rip it up because that was so small. <laughs> when I put it on my hands, I had to I couldn't even <laughs> I walked like this. And then this this was so tight that I couldn't button myself, right? So it was like up to here and maybe around my like below my chest, this tutu thing came out and like spread like a like a skirt. I look like transvestite. So what? <laughs> what? I don't know what how to the, say it. Is what the right is word? the what is the border uh, a, a crossdresser? What is a what is the border? Yeah, I look like a like, crossdresser. Yes. What's the uh, what's the border look like when you're crossing there? Is it like a 
Is like a border now. You get in and get your visa stamped or what, or your passport stamped with a, your well, whatever. No, in the train, the train that was when we were traveling, we pull on the side track, and then there was the the security team was coming in. The 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 guards were coming, checking your luggage. There was no free ride. I mean, they were checking everything. So yeah, yeah, we had to have these things. Hey, then I, I had just one leather coat, so that was okay. I could. But travel. it's a small one. <laughs> it's like a small one, yeah. So <laughs> then I had to walk on the streets of Lviv. I had to walk in this leather because I couldn't carry it. So now imagine the guy walking around with the with the little girl's uh, coat, and, and and like old old guy. I look like a pervert, and the, the, <laughs> everyone was laughing. You know, people were coming in. The Russians, they knew what I was doing. They they, they knew yeah. I'm just like saying, so they laughed, but they didn't want to buy my coat. They didn't want to buy the damn coat. Are they? Is it easy to? Was it easy to bribe the border guards and the police? Was it easy to bribe police? Yeah, it was fairly easy. Yes, that's what our guys did. Because when I went to to sell my coat, because eventually, like after a day, almost struggling, and nobody wanted to buy it, they were laughing at me. There was a group of like three guys. They came and said, okay, we'll buy it for you. I say, how much? I say, 400 rubles. He said, okay. And they have a trick. The trick looks like this. So that you go up there, the three of them go, you know, it's illegal as hell. So one of them is on, on in, in front of the building. You walk into the hallway up there, up the stairs, like half flight. And then they give you the money. You give them the code and they just leave, right? Like, that's okay. But the trick was that they give you, you, you have the code in your hand. They give you the money, say, okay, count the money. You count the money, it's not 400, it's 370 rubles. So what you do normally, say, hey, you are short 30 rubles. So they say, let me have it. So they count, they count, you just look at how he's counting. Yeah, he's short. Hey, hey, can you can you give me 30 more rubles? Say, yeah. So so he gets the 30 rubles. He basically hands me to me 30 rubles. And mm -hmm. I say, this guy gives you rest of the money. They say, police, police, get out, get out. So you just stash everything when you can. You run, and then you realize it's time you took your eyes from the three hundred yeah, seventy rubles. There was a newspaper inside. They switched it, but so I, for me, three hundred seventy rubles were like in a haven. I say I'm not going to complain about being short, being stiffed on thirty rubles. I say so. I took the money. I stick my pocket and knock the guy one. They kicked one who <laughs> was upstairs, and in the in the in the uh, in, in in outside before they had a chance to even yell police. And the thing is that. I ran the wrong way, so I ran on the away from the train station. So by the time I make it, the train, the train I was supposed to be on was just leaving. And next one is next day. I say I'm fucked as shit now. And then, um, and I say my guys already left. I'm so sad. I'm by myself. I'm scared now because they become they will be hunting me. So I went and bought the biggest knife I could find, and actually I bought the <laughs> knife and made it there uh, to defend myself because they actually killed one of the smugglers there, like couple nights before i think so so i'm just like so sad pretty scared you know and then i see my friends i was like holy shit they waited for me you know they waited they, wait, they waited for you hell no they were just caught by the police oh. the money was <laughs> oh, they got busted they were just released from the police station so <laughs> oh, just, they didn't wait they just happened to be there yeah, the yeah rolled them up to to the and now now too. how long was this how many times did you do the smuggling thing? Just one time. I, after, after that time, I came, uh, uh, you know, I was supposed to come back millionaire. I came back where I, I earned like $10. I, yeah, that's, I that seems like a lot of work for $10. Bucks. $80, I came back with 90 <laughs> <laughs> How much of the money did you have to swallow? 
Oh, I had to swallow. I had to swallow ninety dollars. So, uh-huh. uh, so because we switched the rubles for dollars, and then we had to roll them. Oh, uh, that right. was that was really scary. But the problem was like we were already sick by this time, and one of the guys, sure it is, you know, got the shits, and that's so bad. He just ran to the toilet, didn't think twice. He so he, he shit all the money, <laughs> dollars right on the Russian track. Hang Somebody. on to, the, hang on to this guy. He's shitting money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that, outrageous. That outrageous. It took and, that, and, that, and that's all. Be, that's all before prison, right? Yeah, that was before the prison. This this is money laundering. I'm talking like real money laundering. I I I I had to launder those like ten times before they stopped smelling. After that, oh, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Did, and they and then probably never went back to the train tracks to find the rest of it, huh? Would they, no, would no, that was in the would those tra- would those trains really do that? Just dump the waste all over the tracks? Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. You just open, you can see actually the the ground. Oh, you on. can see the ground. You just do your thing in there. You just do your thing, then you just push the water leaks, and you just dumps it on the track. Wow. That's insane. No, they don't do it now. Mm. They have those oh no, no, of course, yeah. Um, but they, they, yeah. Oh, that was socialism. And um, so on, on all this is before you even went to the United States, like all the smuggling, the fighting, the train tracks, the uh, prison, and uh, um, solitary, and then what? A, how, so you got out of prison. You said you tried to find a job, uh, but then it just wasn't it just wasn't worth it. Well, I got in trouble also with prison. I didn't mention about it too because when when they put me to this bigger prison, uh, there was still I was still before the sentencing, and I thought I heard my, uh, my I heard I thought I heard my uh, uh, co-conspirator, I guess, <laughs> in the yeah. next box. We were walking for thirty minutes. The box box is like maybe like thirty feet by twenty feet. I don't remember what the, it was. Very small. But I say, well, you know, the, and you seen those in Iraq, these fences. They were like a posts, and between the posts, like a concrete reinforced concrete slab is slide mm-hmm. one on the top of each other in the grooves in these posts, and just keep keeps going. So we practice in Taekwondo in our demonstrations. Sometimes we practice we're just breaking those plates. So I say, what I'm going to do, I'm going to just jump out, kick very little bit, so maybe get between these uh, plates. They they put like a dirt cement whatever so i just kick it off a little bit i, I can see to the crack if this is actually mm-hmm. real my my friend i don't want to communicate to somebody like i don't know it could be a snitch so i did i just took it like a couple steps i jump and i kick it but that that shit fell out not so the whole damn thing the, over the whole damn thing yeah so that the the, the 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 plate below bent into it it didn't broke completely but just bent enough it just fell off the top one came on the top of it and all the alarms and bells are ringing. And that's the whole shit. And then, uh, so I was dragged out to prince to the uh, the prison warden, given isolation. And um, and then from isolation, actually, I went to another cell where I met first uh, my first uh, uh, fellow solidarity trade union member, the political opponents of socialism. And then he was very hard. His name was Edek Kinjorski. We are still friends. We actually, I met him oh, wow. a year ago and uh, other political prisoners. Uh, so, um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, that was uh, not, not so good. And then when I beat up the other guy, so with, with Edward, we're practicing Taekwondo. I was teaching him. And actually, he credits me with what I told him later, save his maybe his life when he was beaten up viciously by prison guards. You know, later on, when he was moved to different prison, so he say, "What you told me then, how to avoid the punches, 
how to duck, how to how to move. Uh, I think it helped me to survive. So there's uh, two people in prison who actually uh, uh, say that I helped them by teaching them uh, this. So, um, so yeah, that's uh, so we are still friends. I just met him on the when I was in Poland. Actually, I went to Poland in October last year to reunion of former political prisoners in Poland. Poland is free state. Poland is free free yeah. country now. So they invite us actually to that prison to. Uh, to tour the prison that I was. Oh wow! In. You went back to this, the prison you were in. Yeah, the picture I, I, I sent you a couple of these pictures. There's the the cell I was yeah, in the prison cell. That's the cell I was sitting in. So it is in my book. So that, that I have these images in my pictures in my book. Mm -hmm. So so but the, uh, so I got in trouble again uh, before I was sentenced to three years of prison, and then uh, and then I. After I was teaching Edward how to fight, how to defend himself, Edward was pulled in the transport to another prison. So uh, I was moved to another cell. They already knew who I am. So one of these big, supposedly, gang leaders say I have to teach him, to teach him uh, how to fight, to show him something. I said, sure, yeah, I had a powerful sidekick. So you know, I was breaking uh, reinforced concrete plates. So I say, like, yeah, something. right. So I say, well, you know what you can do? Just hold your hands right here. I'm going to. Oh man. Idea. <laughs> I just had no idea what's coming. So put your hands in front of your face, make a fist, and I'm gonna yeah, kick yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, make it stiff so I can I can kick you right here, you know, like a sidekick. And I had a powerful sidekick. So that guy busted his lips. He flew through that uh, through the cell. He hit him his head on the door with a big bang. I mean, you can hear this bang. I think in the entire prison, boom, and and fell asleep. So we woke him up, you know, it's like, okay, okay, okay. He, he got up, you know, his mouth are bleeding and all that stuff. And, uh, but then he started attacking me. He said, like, you know, you just made me look bad and, uh, and I'm going to kick your ass. So th this time I really knocked him out. But then we oh. got scared that we got scared that, you know, this is, uh, what, what's going to happen now. I, I, I'm, he might die. So we start banging for the guards to come in and they pull him out. He lived, but I went to, uh, Warden again, but this uh -huh. time they told me, they told me, uh, he told me, you're going to spend a week in the tiger cage. I was like, tiger cage? Never even heard of it. What the, what's the target? You will see what it is. One week. So, okay. So I'm thinking like tiger cage, you know, they do all kinds of things to political prisoners. Maybe they do have a tiger and they will just go uh, <laughs> you're with uh, tiger. Uh, torment, torment with the tiger. So we walk into that cell. Dude, I just burst with laughter. I, I couldn't contain myself not to laugh. So I, I never laughed, laughed so hard in my life. So you walk into the cell and there is a real cage. It's like a cage that bars like my thumb thick and it's like all over. It's just like you can walk in the cell around this cage and in this cage is just a hard bed and little desk that you can put it so you can eat on it. And then you, can, you cannot even like stand up comfortable there. So I was like, "That's the tiger cage. It looks like a looks to me like a rabbit, <laughs> like a rabbit cage." Oh my god! Did they keep it <laughs> there for like, a week? They were pissed because they thought that I'm just making fun of them, but I just couldn't contain. It was so surreal. So it's like, so I spent like maybe two days, and they pulled me out in transport. So now you're going to real prison after my sentencing, and uh, and uh, and uh, I went to prison. Oh, that's but this is before prison. The tiger cage is before. That, that was the, that was the prison, the second biggest prison. That was I was remember I was interrogated in the secret uh, police headquarters, and then I was moved to this intermediate prison, 
when I was waiting for my sentencing, after sentencing, uh, uh, I was supposed to be moved to the, my destination, the, 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 the state prison, the, the, the communist prison. And, and that the, was one of the worst prisons in Europe, wasn't it? Uh, it was one of the worst in Poland. That was known for its uh, uh, re regime and, and, and perversions. So, yeah, that, as I didn't know any better, I, that was just the that was the first prison I was in, you know, except this intermediate one. Uh, so I didn't I didn't know the difference. But that was easy. That when I made up there, uh, finally, they were just only political prisoners there. They have a criminals too on different blocks, but mm -hmm. there was whole blocks of us political prisoners and. That that was like, that was like a, a so different. I mean, I, I I found myself amongst professors, among engineers, among philosophers, among teachers, students from universities, and uh, for me, there was just my education just began, and. Oh, wow. uh, like Andrew Krasuski, who organized all kinds of protests, Karamba, uh, um, and uh, Vitek, there's Christoph, there are so many people. I'm I'm. I quote them in the book. I have actually acknowledgement in my book uh, to these people because they helped me survive. They taught me so much about socialism, communism, the history of Poland. Andrew Krasuski, he was the expert in Polish history and in general in the history. So he actually, we we forced prison administration to allow us eventually at the end of it before amnesty to gather together. And Andrew Krasuski was doing classes for us on the Polish history extremely uh I, I, I mean so they they would let you communicate then they would let us communicate then they not initially uh initially it was pretty much the same regime like the prison I came from mm -hmm. but people were different they were all political prisoners so they were like philosophers engineers they're like fuck you socialists and communists fuck this socialist oppression so they were they they they, they, they were real heroes I was single right so I did not have any especially family besides my mother outside. Mm -hmm. But these people were having wives, children, the entire families, and they didn't know they are come if they are coming back. The the the, the typical socialist uh, uh, way of dealing with people like this was killing them or sending them outside the pond, like Siberia or somewhere. So oh it happened yeah. then, but we, there was a real fear in us. And these people still stuck to their guns. They still did not get converted. They say, no, this is not the right thing. I'm, 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 I'm not socialist. I will not uh, support socialist state because it's pervasive, it's dangerous, and it's murderous. And they, they never, they never bent. They never, and, even if their families were threatened, some of the families were persecuted. I mean, all the families of these political opponents were persecuted. And uh, they, uh, so they are real heroes. Too. Oh, yeah. That's my education. And that, that, that sort of tells you how important it is, too. If they're, I mean, these are well-educated yes. people, well-educated in history, and they're not, they're not bending to, to the, the okay. state. That, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And uh, <clears throat> so I kind of have to very much, uh, so in, uh, in prison, uh, I describe in the book a little bit better. When our hunger strikes, I think it was like month, around month. I don't remember now. Uh, when our hunger strike for some, I uh, think beatings, and uh, they start breaking the, they start breaking our uh, hunger strike by, because after two weeks you have to be forcefully fed. So basically, that what they were doing is they would bring the pipe like this, this a big corrugated pipe. For me, it looked like the vacuum pipe. Uh, maybe yeah. small, like a, it looked like a vacuum pipe, 
and okay. they shove it that you throw out into your stomach, all the way down your stomach, and all the way have, down your stomach. Yeah, yeah, and they have a big jar, and they just have a like measuring, uh, like measuring cup, and they yeah. put like funnel, uh, the, yeah. the, the tube and the funnel, funnel on a pipe shoved down to your yeah. stomach. Yeah, That's and insane. then pouring into the funnel and just pull it out. So, I I panic first time. I I, I oh broke, yeah broke the chair because I would start suffocating and I, I thought I would die. But later I learned how to do it. So like we we all learn. But older people, all these professors who were sitting there, they they were like something like 60, 65 years old. And then so they they were told, look, I can shove it down your throat, your stomach, but you know you are here in the room, nobody sees. The, why don't you just? Drink it yourself, you know. Just right. I, instead of pulling in here, you just take it, drink it. So I don't have to pull it, show this pipe. Some people say, okay. So as soon as he started drinking with, yeah, his hands, it was like, all right, your hunger strike is over. You're going Strikes over. Yeah, you already you 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 just ate yourself. You broke the strike. So this is how they trick many of these older people. But most of us survive. So that, but then the call from the church, Catholic church, came. To stop it because we are not we will never get status of pol political prisoner they will they will always say that we are criminal we just is that what that, that's that they're, all they're trying to do is make you admit you're a criminal yeah yeah that's that's okay that, that's how it, we were well you know according to the law we broke the law so we if we broke the law so then uh we are criminals and some of them did not even break that law some of them were just because they were dangerous they were just made up charges uh, or they, they tweet some of the charges to look more like criminal or, or, mm -hmm. or like the charges, something they could be in prison for. And uh, the, nowadays, like all these guys, including myself, are were fully exonerated by the free Poland, by Polish government. So my documents, everything about my case is on the Polish government website with my name and everything. So yes, we all were fully exonerated. And there was the reunion of political prisoners when I was attending with, I met some of these guys who are my heroes. Oh so, yeah. That's and a, I described them in the book too. So you can mm -hmm. see uh, some of that. Uh, oh yeah. The book, the book is fantastic too. Um, you know what I got to do brother is um, <clears throat> I'm going to probably cut it right there. Because uh, you and I have a history together, I gotta hear about your SEAL training. I gotta hear. I, I remember meeting you at SEAL Team Two the first time I checked in, um, and we're gonna just uh, save that for another episode because I thought another it was episode. important. I thought it was important to. There's so much more to your story. Everything from the boy you were to the man you are, as far as fighting in the streets to now. Because, like I said, I, you never struck me as a bully. I always knew you were a tough guy. Because um, I was American. Yeah, it's it's and I want to get I was into already the, American. So awesome. I want to get into the transition from from Poland to the United States and talk about the Navy in Memphis. And uh I just uh, I think we're gonna need to get a fresh start on that because we got a lot of war stories to tell, a lot of liberty <laughs> stories to tell, a little bit of fun in Egypt. <laughs> I'll post some of those pictures so people can see uh the hookah pipe. <laughs> so but um, it, um, what, what, what can I, what can I, what can I plug for you? Obviously the pledge to America, everyone's got to read this book. I'm going to read it a second time because, uh, I, I, I didn't want to skim it too much, but, uh, what, what else you got going on? Navy SEALs fund. Uh, the, so we run charity, uh, 
it was made by Navy SEALs. Uh, it's, it, it, Navy SEALs are on the board of directors who administer the fund. It is in the 501c3. It's, the logo is right behind me. Uh, that we're a little bit different because we don't have paid positions within our organizations. Everything all the, is being done on voluntary basis. Uh, I'm not saying like anything wrong with get, people getting paid for doing their work, but just within my organization, our organization, uh, the Navy SEALs Fund, we just don't accept money. We don't want money. They, we, so every penny that comes in to Navy SEALs Fund, it goes to the program, goes to our guys, our yeah. families. We support uh, the, the, from people from UDTs and uh, and uh, uh, pre-9-11 Navy SEALs to uh and not only Navy SEALs, but their families and also siblings and children were very often uh, omitted by uh, some other uh, charities. So we, we include everybody. If you are anyway connected with Navy SEALs, uh, like being a Navy SEAL and you are part of the family or you are family of a former Navy SEAL or retired Navy SEAL, we are there to help you. And for us, it's like, it doesn't matter if you were SEAL uh, and how you left the Navy and what uh, conditions you left the Navy. If you were Navy SEAL one time, 5026 or officer, uh, we'll stand by your side. We'll make sure that you have, you can put bread on your table and uh, you can live life like I'm living now, thanks to America. Everything I have, everything I own, so cool. I owe to America. <laughs> I still tear up when I say that. No, I know, and it's great to see it. I can hear it in your voice. I know you very well. Navy SEALs Fund has really stepped up in the past. You guys are great. Uh, you're always and, and you know even if if someone's having a bad day, they can call you. Um, just everything from helping out monetarily and just just someone to talk to, someone to have a cry with. There's nothing wrong with that occasionally. But you know, <laughs> I need to say that too. This is something I learned from people like you, from people like like my fellow other SEALs, who I always wanted to be like. And uh, I would like to bring one name here as 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 guy I totally admire. He's so uh, you you know the funny story. I was telling him story about him, and he's like you're talking about me. That's me. Uh, basically, I'm talking about Ryan Parrot, the Birdman. Oh the yeah, Birdman. Birdman's in, uh, awesome, man. In Habania, so he got his nickname because he flew out of this Humvee when they hit the IED like a Birdman. That's how they count him. And, and so the guy basically land off the eggs in fairly safe place. What he does, he runs back into X place, X in, onto the eggs in the ambush to save guys. And he is all burned up, all fogged up. But he's not thinking about himself, the injuries yeah. that he's staying. He's thinking about the other guys. He's pulling the guy. I mean, the guy is a hero for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we I need know, to talk about him more in the next next. No, hour. we will. Oh, We're going to get into a lot of that. I always thought they called him the Birdman because he's such a good skydiver. And then he told me, no, I was in a Humvee tour and I got blown out of it like a bird. Like a bird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's incredible. Yeah, so uh, NavySealsFund.org. Um, and your website is DragoGeron.com. Yes. D-Z-I-E-R-A-N, Drago. And that, and you're one of those guys, too, by the way. You probably don't know this because you're so close to, to it, but you're one of those dudes that just needs one name. You say Drago, and everyone in the country knows what you're talking about. It's awesome. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm American. I'm you're no... an American, and you're an American success story, my brother, and uh, it has been so great talking with you. Like I said, we're going to catch up again really, really soon uh, and talk about some Navy SEAL stuff, but every, everything, your life is incredible. You're incredible. I love you, brother. Thanks for coming on. Love you, brother. Talk to you next time. Stay safe.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.